going to be talking about feelings. <laughs> Just got to gauge the room here. Feelings. Come on, who's enjoyed this relationship series so far? It's been super good. I know Pastor Andrew uh, preached about, um, what did you preach about last week? Yeah. You can't remember. Come on, come on, come on, come on. There it is. Testing them. Put, no, that was, yeah, it was Adam. It was Pastor Adam last week, Pushing Adams. Yeah, there we go. Pushing buttons. Uh, what did, you preached about being single today at the 10 a.m. service. Pastor Jason set up, up this service the first week. We're talking about it's not you, it's me. Dealing with all relationships start with health in, a, in ourselves, right? So healthy relationships start with us. If we're healthy, we'll be healthy. And today, we're talking about feelings. Hooked on a feeling. If you got your Bibles, you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 to 11, you don't know what's going to happen at the 5 p.m. service. Like, your pastors forget what they spoke about a week ago. Anything could happen. First Peter chapter 5. Let's get into it. First Peter chapter 5, 6 through 11 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, someone say proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, I'll say that again, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will him himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Someone said amen. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we just invite you to this moment, to this service. I thank you for these amazing people. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive. That is uh, the, the, the guiding book for our lives to teach us to navigate through this life and our relationships and everything that we go about with. God, I ask that you would speak to us through it, speak through me. And God, I pray that uh, tonight would be an amazing night in your house. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody shouted. Amen. Well, some of you thought as I read that message, you just heard sober-minded and thought, well, man, this, this dude's just going to talk about not getting drunk, and that's, that, that's how we're supposed to live healthy relationships. But no, the Bible means more than just getting drunk as we know it, okay? The word sober-minded is really just meaning to have a clear mind and not be persuaded by anything, and that really includes our feelings, right? Our feelings are so easy like, just to get inside and start to take over. When things are good, they get really good. And when things are bad, sometimes they get really, really bad, right? So today we're talking about within our relationships how feelings can control so much of that. And, and I, the thing I love about our, this series we've been in, it's not so been focused on every week certain, certain moments, but it's been talking about this the general amount of relationship that we have, whether you're single you're married, whether it's friends, you're divorced, whether it's relationship with your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, cousin, whatever. Even ourselves, even relationship with ourselves can be taken over by feelings. Who knows what I'm talking about? Like, they're so easy to creep themselves in and start to take over. And this has to do with all facets of that. And if we look at relationships, let's consider relationships, I guess, like a house. The relationship itself is, is the structure. It's the, the, the groundwork. It's the foundation. It's the, the, the wood, the studs, everything else. Feelings and emotions are the paint on the walls, right? Who knows, like, that person that just loves to paint? 
right? Who knows that person that's just super excited about, you know, this week, I'm thinking like just a maroon on that one, and then they'll just come in and start decorating. Pastor Andrew is like, just has an affinity for like pointing out all the details. So when the staff are talking about like deep issues, like deep stuff, we're all passionate, we're getting fired up about these big things. Pastor Andrew's kind of chilling, he's just waiting. And then we start talking about paint color. He's like, mm, I want that ivory white. That ivory white. I got a car from Home Depot right here. This is the one we need to get. This invites the Holy Spirit into the room. Like, get that ivory white. Like, this man loves the details. But he's a feeling space person just like me. And if anyone knows emotions and feelings, if you know me, it's definitely me. Like, I, I'm an emotional person. I will wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not ashamed of it. I'll have a good cry every once in a while. If you watch a good Disney movie, you, who knows what I'm talking about? Like, get all the feels in the theater. It's like, Dad, why are you crying? I'm like, I'm not crying. I'm allergic to the popcorn. I don't. Stop. Me and Seth will have a cry. Seth's, Seth's an emotional guy with me. Come on. So we did this. Um, we did this test as a staff. So basically, we had some. We had a team that came in, and we all took this test, just like on a personality test. Who's taken those before? Uh, they're really fun to take, so you should try it. But we did this test just to find out, like, how do we navigate the relationships with who we work with? So, like, the way I communicate to Pastor Dave is vastly different to how I'd communicate with Pastor Andrew. And so we needed to know these things. It's like, how do I communicate with individual people? So one of the segments on the test was talking about how we process our emotions. So basically it was saying, when a thought comes to you, when someone says something to you or asks you a question or inputs something into you, there's two sides where your mind, where it will go. It'll either walk to the left side, which is the area of logic, and, and just processing things in a logical, normal way. And on the right side, it goes through the area of emotion. So on the logic side, when the, when the thought comes to you, you say, how does this impact me? What do I need to do? What are the steps that I need to take? That's the logic side. The emotional side is, how does this make me feel? What am I going to feel on this day? So it's just like when someone receives, hey, on July 13th, you got to book this thing. Some, the logic side goes, okay, cool, I'll put it on my calendar. Me, on the other side of it, through the emotional side, goes, well, what, 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 what's going to happen on July 13th? Like, where am I going to be personally? Like, where are my emotions going to be? Is it going to be too hot that day? Because, like, I don't get out in the heat and I don't do well. I don't want to be. So, like, I process things on the emotional side. I worry about how things, things are going to impact me. Out of 10, I scored a nine and a half. So as far over as you could be. Like, I don't even think the test takers made a 10. I think it's impossible to score a 10. I got as far as you can go. The rest of the staff, they floated around like the four, four and a half range. So every, all their staff, when we're doing calendar planning, they're all like, yeah, that makes sense. That, we should do that this year. And I'm in the corner going, guys, slow down. There's a lot going on right here. You have to think, what are you going to be feeling that day? Because I don't know. Serve day? What if it's a rough day? Like, how am I supposed to serve the community? And if I'm emotional, um, so I process things way over on the right. I'm an emotional. Who knows that person that's, that is just emotional with me? Thank you. Thank you. We'll meet in the back, and we'll huddle, and we'll pray, and we'll cry a little bit in the back later on after the service. Reckless love of God. No. Emotions. They can run Wild. Any Star Trek fans in the house? Like a few, a few people. So there is a character on Star Trek. His name is Spock, and he's a Vulcan. Some of you are pretty amped that I'm talking about Star Trek in church, and I didn't think it was going to happen, but it is happening. These characters, Vulcans, they base all of their decisions off logic and reason. 
Like they, they can't interfere. The emotion never gets in the way of making a decision, right? Wouldn't it be pretty awesome to have that ability just, just to click in when someone says something? Like, I just want to respond logically and not emotionally. Like for married couples, that'd be really good to have, right? Like when your spouse comes, like, honey, can you do the dishes, please? I know my logic answer, the one with reason and that gets me out of trouble and doesn't like have a crime be committed in my house is to say, yes, I will do that. But emotionally, I'm not ready to do the dishes. I'm battling with some stuff. Internally, I had a rough day and it's, it's really heavy. The last thing I need is to get pruny on my hands while I'm doing dishes. <laughs> I don't want that. Wouldn't be awesome to do the logical thing, but I just know for me that's really hard. And all of our relationships are founded on emotions, right? They're founded on emotions or feelings. And that's why it's so important, church, that we understand how do we control, how to manage, and how to thrive in these relationships that are so deeply rooted on feelings. You see, God gave us these emotions. He gave us these amazing feelings to color our life. And we have made, we've been made in the image of God. We know that he's given them to us. And while emotions are wonderful moment makers, they're absolutely moment breakers at the same time. And when they go, if they're unhinged and if they're un, they go ungoverned by God's spirit and God's reality, they make us a threat to ourselves and to others around us. Emotions make moments super heavy, right? And we can run into moments with being super emotional and get caught up in making decisions that may or may not be right. Or we can run away from things because we're so emotional. We're just running away from what God has already spoken over to them. So in a world that's set up to be governed by emotions, music, TV, even emojis, who loves the emoji game right now? Strong. Who's ever texted the wrong emoji to somebody? Anybody? I told this story in the first two services that, that Cynthia, she's one of our vocal directors, she was singing here today. She, I texted her a question about a list, something for worship we were doing, and she sent back the answer. So I just said, thank you, and I went to send like this cute little smiley. Mm. Thank you. Mm. But I accidentally sent the kissing emoji. Y'all, it's hard. I got big fingers. Like, you want to go, got a pinpoint. And, uh, yeah, she didn't respond for a while. <laughs> if you have the iPhone, do you know, like, the text back response where it's just blinking the little periods? You're like, respond, please. What are you thinking right now? You know I didn't mean to send you a kissing emoji, but why haven't you responded? Uh, my day was ruined after that, so. Just ruined. But I want us to ask just three questions. Hopefully when we leave today, these three questions, we could somewhat answer and understand. Number one, where did our feelings and emotions come from? Where do they come from? Number two, how do we navigate through all types of relationships and not let emotions rule and control our mind? And last one, what, when are feelings good and when are they bad? I would love to ask my seven-year-old that question. All the time, dad, they're always good. Sometimes not. Sometimes not. So let's unpack. I'm going to take everyone on just an old school, Bible school, exegetical unpacking of First Peter 5, 6 through 11. You got notes? Come on. Pastor Jason said, like last week, if you take notes on paper, you're 80% more chance to get to heaven. So like, pull it out. Let's, let's do this. You got phones too? Let's take some notes. This is Bible school for the church. Come on. Here we go. First Peter 5, 6 through 11. This is our main scripture. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, everyone say proper time, he may exalt you. So what are we talking about? Proper time. 
is God's will in his plan for your life, for our life. What is God's will? Well, we're all, we've all been placed here. We've all have purpose and meaning, whether you're, uh, uh, we're all ministers of the gospel, whether you think about it, like I'm a minister of the gospel, not because I carry a title of a pastor, but like outside of these walls, I'm just Justin. And so we all have purpose to, to show the world like what the good news of the gospel is, right? That my story is so broken and I'm such a sinner and I've fallen so short and will continue to fall short that Jesus stepped in for me. Like our calling starts there. Everything else is just an outpour of that. Whether you're a dentist, sorry. Whether you're a contract, I'm sorry. I have a problem with dentists. I have bad teeth. It's just, we're, we won't be friends. We're doomed from the start. Sorry. If whatever you are, like, we all have purpose. We've all been called. God has a calling on our life. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? So I know that he has plans for every single person. So he's saying, humble yourselves and know that God has a plan for you. Verse number seven says, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Underline that word, casting. He's literally saying in the scripture, the author saying, lay your care, lay your worry, when he says anxiety, upon God. Like the analogy of, uh, of what that means is like if you've hired someone to come move your house, like a moving company and they show up and the, all, all the guys get out of the truck and they've all got backpacks on that have like 100 pound weights in them. You'd be like, I mean, that's cool that you want to get swole, but I'm like paying for you to move my stuff. So could you take the backpacks of weight off so that you don't get tired faster, right? So God is saying, listen, I'm going to have, like life is going to carry some weight right? Being a, being a Christian, being a Christ follower means carrying some weight for me. So take your own weight that you're carrying and put it on me. Like don't carry more weight than you have to, right? So he's saying, listen, cast your anxieties because you're still going to have to carry weight, but I don't want you to carry the old stuff. That's gone. So in proper time, he's got a call. He says, cast your care on me. So throw away all of our old stuff. Verse eight, be sober minded, be watchful. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So this word sober comes from the Greek word. That's right. We're going Greek at 5 p.m. Sophron, meaning of sound mind, right? So be of sound mind when making these decisions because the enemy is about to come and use the same thing that God gave us in our feelings against us. We're going to learn how that happened, how we're going to go through the timeline of where feelings started and came from, how they were ruined and how they were used against us. But the enemy wants to use that against us. And we're literally reading that God has a plan. He wants us to cast our cares upon him so that we don't have to carry extra weight, but still be guarded because the enemy's coming. He's going to use those things against us. So be sober, be of sound mind. Verse nine, resist Resist him, talking about the enemy here. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That word resist means to stand against. So we're literally standing against the enemy who wants to use our feelings against us. And in verse 10, it says, after you have suffered a little while, let's just pause there for a moment. I'm reading here like all the things that I have to do like, it's just like putting instructions together for Ikea furniture, which don't make sense at all. But it says, God has a plan. Lay your cares down. Be of clear mind. Resist the enemy. We would think that things should be good from this point, right? We've done all the things. We've checked the boxes. We've put the Ikea furniture together, which is like, can we please put words in Ikea furniture next time? And not the weird stick guy that's just like, 
I love the one that's got a carpet on the ground that says, don't build this on concrete. They're like, thanks. <laughs> but it's like, after we've done all this, I should be able to sit on this piece of furniture and have it not break because I followed the instructions, right? So why am I reading after you have suffered a little while? Why is that there? It says, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So it's like, really, why, why, does, why do I have to suffer if I'm able to do this? Because who knows that life doesn't go that way, right? We've already dropped the ball. We've already messed things up. So we know that our emotions and moments in our lives where there's going to become so much for us to bear, where it's like, I need to make this decision, but I can't because I'm reacting instead of responding. And I know that there's going to be pain in that. But the cool thing is that God uses what the enemy wanted to use for bad, and he turns it to good. The moment you make a decision that's based off just pure feelings and emotions because we're caught up in a moment that we can't get out of, God says, I'm going to turn that away, and I'm going to use it to good. I'm going to use it to build you. I'm going to use it to strengthen. I'm going to use it to establish. I'm going to use it to settle you. I'm going to use it for my glory. But it's like, I want to understand these things because what hurts worse is the blindside hit right? It's the blind side. It's when you don't see it coming. That's why left tackles in the NFL are paid so much money, because quarterbacks will get annihilated without someone watching his blind side, because that is the worst hit when you're not expecting it. So basically, author's saying, listen, brace a little bit. We have feelings. God gave them to us. They make life so cool. They make life so awesome to experience, and who loves like that movie where the feelings kick in, and you're like, oh, this movie. Oh, this movie is so good. The soundtrack is so good. Or when you're on that first date and you're like, I think she's the one. And then the girl's like, I think he's the one. And then the girlfriends are like, girl, he took you to Sizzler. He not the one. And he used a gift card. I heard the Lord say, no. I talked to someone after the, the, the 11.30 service. He's like, hey, I've been, I've been married for a long time, and actually my second date was to Sizzler. <laughs> Props to you. You really did some work. But we're going to go through moments where it's like, we need to brace a little bit, right? I need to know that sometimes, like, man, feelings are going to get the best of me, but it's like, how do I react? How do I respond instead of react? Because I don't want to get hit. I want to I know. Like, I want emotions. I want that. I love, I love to be, I love to express myself. I think about like a musician, that, that's what I am. So I respond in, in playing music by showing emotions and feelings. It's how I communicate. But I don't want to get that the best of me. So I'm thinking, man, while this scripture hurts, it's also a glimpse into helping us out a little bit. To know that, you know, sometimes we're going to take some hits on the side. But God uses all of that to strengthen us. Amen? So, I mean, feelings are great. If, if movies have a soundtrack, feelings are the soundtrack to our life, right? So let, let's look at the timeline of where things went awry, where our feelings got lost. The timeline of our feelings, number one, is the creation. I got a lot of Bible. I hope that's okay tonight. Thank you. Um, Genesis chapter one. We're going all the way to the beginning. So go to just the first page in your Bible. But maybe not the very first one. A few more after all the names and dates. Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above, and it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So what we're reading here is God is kind of like the very first artist. Like before the creation, it was just God. There was just mass, like nothing was there. And God is starting to create the things that we know, right? He's literally like an artist just as he's making it going, man, that's a lot of water. I don't feel like that's good. Let's make some separation. Let's get a sky in there. Like he's, he is working this art out. Like, and as an artist, part of it is like you're, you're living it for the very first time and you're responding to how you're supposed to go with your emotions. So God is the creator. He's the author of those type of feelings. Number two, second part of the timeline of our feelings is the endorsement. Genesis chapter one, verses 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm going to skip to the second chapter, chapter two, verses 19 through 20. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. That's a risky game. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the sky, and all the wild animals. So here we're literally seeing that God has endorsed us in two ways. A, he made us in his image. So he created us in the way that God was, which was that God. He was a God that had feelings. We know God to express emotion all the time through scripture we read. And then the second part of that, he's literally endorsing Adam and saying, Okay, Adam, name some animals for me. Just whatever you think, just shout it out. You're like, oh, that's a pig. Oh, it's called. Oh, that's a giraffe because it's long neck. I don't know why. Like, giraffe's a great name. Like, I couldn't have thought of that myself, right? Just, just like emotionally in that moment, I'd be like, what would I call a long necked, really tall animal with weird ears? A giraffe. That's great, Adam. Perfect. Great work. How did that make you feel in that moment? Now, I thought Adam did a pretty good job of naming most animals. I have a little bit beef with, like, anteater. Because, like, the thing's like, God, what does that do? It's like, well, it's an animal and it eats ants. Um, that's an anteater. <laughs> Even God was kind of like, really? Okay. Anteater it is. You got it. <laughs> so God endorsed us to be people to respond with emo- how it makes us feel in that moment we responded. And he made us in his image. He's endorsed us to be people that feel and can have emotions, right? So what happens next? The third part of our timeline is the lie. The lie. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. It said, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Skip one more chapter ahead. Genesis chapter 3. This is where the enemy gets really crafty, and he uses the endorsement of our feelings against us. Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, this is really important to hear, how the enemy just kind of uses words to trick us. It says, you will surely not die, 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to her eyes, and that the tree was desired to, be one, to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, which is awkward, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I had this friend in Bible school, whenever we talked about creation, he was always just like, see, like, Eve was the one who made the mistake, so, like, women, you guys screwed it up and you sinned first. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give the ladies a little bit of ammunition for that argument because, like, listen, I have to. It's right here in the Bible. First of all, God only told Adam about the tree. So Adam knew the information, right? He didn't do a good job communicating that to his spouse. All the ladies like, yes! <laughs> Amen. Not only did Adam do a bad job, but when then Eve offered him the fruit, he's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's eat of it. So not only did Adam fail to communicate properly to his spouse, he then was just like, oh, cool. She's doing it. I'm going to eat it too. You're welcome, ladies. So now that we know where feelings came from, how God gave us the permission to use them, how they were messed up by the enemy, what is next? Number four in our timeline is the backup plan. The backup plan. John chapter 14, I told you, a lot of Bible tonight, 25 through 27. It says, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you, bring to you your remembrance that I have said to you. Peace I leave you and peace I give to you. What is he talking about? What helper? Jesus is on his way. He's ascending to heaven saying, listen, I'm going to be gone, but I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit who's going to guide you, who's going to help you. What does the Holy Spirit bring? Galatians chapter 5, 23 through 24 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, 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 self-control. Against such things there is no law, but there's self-control. I added that last one. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, the flesh with its passions and its desires. God has sent us something to help us navigate when our feelings try to get on us, right? Your feelings and your emotions, they're half the equation. They're half. Take our feelings and emotions in this side, and when we respond, when we react to them, we're really just going solely to our emotions. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a relationship with your own heart, right? Things that have been done to you in the past or uh, a marriage that's on the rocks or it's something, it's a bad relationship with a mother or father or a friend or someone that's influencing you or something. When we react to emotions, we just go to those first. That's the half the equation. The other half of the equation is Jesus. That's the other half. Feelings in this hand, Jesus in this hand. When we react, we just go to this hand by itself. But when we respond, come on somebody, we take the two and put them together because God wants them to be unified. God says, I want you to feel. I want you to have emotion. I want you to live in a colorful way and respond to these moments. But you got to involve me because when you, respond, when you react purely to emotions, it's like, what, are we, what am I saying? What am I doing? Does it line up? Just ask yourself these questions. When I bring it to God, does it line up with his word? Does it line up with your calling? Does it line up with your walk? 
Is it a relationship that's causing you to pull away from faith? Is it a relationship that's causing you to pull away from church? Is it a relationship that is ruining your heart and poisoning you because you're so caught up in how good it feels? Man, that is so easy to do because I know feelings are so strong. Who knows that person that when things go sideways, it goes really bad, right? It's like, well, he... like. Weekend's over. I got to go to Ben and Jerry's and get a bunch of those stuff because he's going to be down for the whole weekend. Like, he's just lost, right? I have friends like that. I am that person. Me and Andrew, me and Pastor Andrew had tons of nights where it's like, man, that service was rough. You want to get some ice cream and talk about it? Like, I, like I messed up the transition and my voice cracked. And I mean, like, it's been a long time since that's happened. Whoo! Like, you want to sit and talk about stuff? Sometimes you get wrapped up in these feelings and emotions, and when they go unchecked, it means we're not involving God with our decisions. And it's even in how we respond. Because if I respond in a moment, I've told this story before, Devon, I love this man so much. He's such an awesome dude. Come on, who loves Devon? Like, the first time Devon, the first time Devon led in our church, like, we'd been leading, I'd been leading worship at that point for like probably three or four years, I want to say. And this, this woman who's been coming to our church from day one walked up and was like, Ugh that Devon, I have never felt the Holy Spirit in the room like when he leads. I felt it dripping down my back like it was flowing, and I felt my hair on the stand up like, whoo. I'm like, have you been here for four years? Like, what am I? It's really easy for us in that moment to take that emotion and run with it and turn it into comparison and go in a dark place and start to talk myself out of my calling when I don't align it with God's word. Which God's word says, look, Pastor Justin, I know the plans that I have for you, right? Plans to prosper. They don't need to compete with anybody else. He's saying, listen, this person has plans. You have plans. Don't compare yourself to something else. And so it's in these moments where I want to react so much because I'm caught in that emotion of trying to compare myself or trying to respond in this way. And God is saying, line it up with my word. How do we respond versus react? When I could trust the Holy Spirit to guide me through these emotions, we tap into new levels of response. When there's hate, there's love. God says when there's, when there's, when there's worthless moments and you have no joy, I bring you joy through the Holy Spirit. When you're unsettled, I bring you peace. When you're not patient, patience is there through the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is kindness when you don't feel like it. There is goodness when things seem hopeless. I am faithful when you feel faithless. I am gentle when things are hard and rough. I show self-control when you can't. The Holy Spirit is enabling us to use these things. And this is how we respond and not let feelings control our relationships. And today, I guess through this message, we're really just talking about ourselves. I mean, it, it exists within relationships with each other, but man, how many times have I just internalized things and gone to the other side and talked myself out of knowing my calling? So when I'm walking through rough times, whether it's, I don't know what it is, a breakup, a divorce, heartache, whatever, the Holy Spirit gives peace, he gives love and joy. When your marriage is on the rocks, he gives patience. Lots of, lots of, lots of patience. Married couples said Amen. So we're going to wrap this up with three dangers on building our relationships off feelings. Three dangers. Number one, everybody shout number one. We idolize moments rather than trusting Jesus. We idolize moments rather than trusting Jesus. You know, it, like I titled this message Hooked on a Feeling because emotions and feelings are kind of like a drug, aren't they? 
we get that one moment. It's just like, man, that was so good. I, I need that again to trust God. Like, I've had a rough day. I'm going to go in church, but like, Devon picked Reckless Love. I hate that song because you're talking about God being reckless. That doesn't make sense. So I'm just going to, uh, I don't feel anything. This isn't my favorite song. It wasn't playing on Caleb on my way over to church. This is wrong. Now they're about to dismiss and do the three-minute greeting thing. Oh, someone give me Purell. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, it's so easy to search after the feel-good moments, right? The, whoa, when it feels good in church, it's like, woo, like the, the hair on the back of your head sticks up, or your neck, not the head, that would be a lot, but it just, like, we want those moments in worship, and sometimes they're not there, right? Sometimes they're not there. Sometimes things don't feel good, but God is still God. Sometimes you're going to go through rough moments where you're battling, and God's saying, listen, it doesn't feel right, but I'm still your God, and I still know the plans that I have for you. Maybe you just went through something, but I'm still God. So don't, res- don't react in a way, but respond and say, God, I trust you, not the moment. Because the moment will deceive us. It's like at the soundtrack to our, to our life. Like, Pastor Andrew, will you come up here real fast? I'm going to demonstrate something by showing you how our, our mind can play tricks on us in moments. So it's like, if I just said this to you by itself, Andrew, I love you, man. You're, you're my best friend. I love your whole situation here. <laughs> your shoes are awesome, and you got, like, you got preacher swag on with the chain. Like, I just love you. You're so cool. Thank you. Thank you. See, that response by itself, like, me saying that right now is, is not that bad, but if you throw emotion into the mix, things start to get a little different. Tech team, help me out. I'm going to say the same thing to you. Can you turn it up? Andrew. You're my best friend. I love everything you do. I'm so grateful for you. I love your shoes. I got the Holy Spirit driven all over the place. I just want to hug you and love you forever. Uh, all right thank you that's all I wanted (laughs) but isn't it funny how like when we get in moments where it's just could be good and it could be bad but all of a sudden when music starts when we create that feeling soundtrack in our head it's like whoa that situation got heavy and for most of you are like that's really awkward why did you just play Titanic at church Emotions, they're the soundtrack to our life. They are disruptive. They are moment breakers because sometimes the moment wasn't meant to be there and be as heavy as it was when we just need to respond. Like, yeah, someone just broke up with you. It's fine. God is still God. Uh, you're having a rough time forgetting about, forgetting about letting go of the past. God is still God. Like, he's forgiven you. Don't let moments be the thing we lean into more than Jesus when his voice is the one that should be louder. Amen? Don't idolize moments. we got to trust in Jesus. Number two, our relationships are corrupted by worldly opinion. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Someone say transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, there are moments when the world wants to tell us, and I've heard this as like from the from a perspective of a male, that you can't show emotion. That if you show emotion, you're weak, right? And it's like, bro, I'm so emotional. Like I'm in trouble then if I can't do that. And God is saying, listen, there are moments in life when I think the strongest position that we can be is right here. Is broken down, vulnerable people responding in a place of humility and humbleness and saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I don't want to try to be the one to force it or to try to carry it by myself. And God is saying, listen, I want to carry this for you. I want to do this with you. I want to, I want to help you tackle this thing. But you can't react in a place where you think that being in this place of vulnerability is weak because it's not. This is the strongest place that we can be. Because it's me. It's just me and God in this moment saying, like, I just, I just want you to help me control what I would react to normally. In this place of brokenness, humility, this is the strongest place that we can be as people. Number three, we become more reliant on feelings than we do Jesus. Luke chapter 22, I know a lot of Bible tonight, this is the the last scripture. Verses 39, it says, and he, this being Jesus, came out and went, as it was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And he came to the place and he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, he said. And there appeared an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Literally seeing God, Jesus right now, he's crying out to God saying, I have this feeling, this emotion that I'm fearful and I'm terrified. God, if this isn't your will, I want you to take it from me. And Jesus is going to God to rely on his voice, his calling to respond in this moment. Can we be a people that when, when life comes against you, when your mind and your feelings come against you and it doesn't line up with what God says, can we rely on the voice of God stronger than we do our own? Even Jesus dealt with this idea saying, coming to, coming to God and saying, God, I don't want this, but if it is your will, I will take it. Because in, my, in that moment, I know that my feelings would control me. I know they would say, I don't need to do this. And I I started thinking this from the idea, like God is the one who gave us these emotions and God has feelings. I can't even imagine at the emotions in sending your only son to die for our sins. Blameless, faultless, he didn't deserve it. He didn't need it. It It wasn't something that was supposed to happen, but can you imagine what God is feeling in this moment sending his only son for us. When things go sideways, church, how do, how do we respond? Do we react or do we respond? Come on.